What are you most optimistic about? I have an answer to that, all right? We don't even know anymore what is true from what is wrong. Because that's the business model of social media. Nothing should really be suppressed according to the free speech rules as established by the courts. They can do what the f they want. I'm just not going to sit there and watch them wipe me out. They didn't budge and fully expected me to just step out of their way. Well, welcome, Neil, and thank you so much for coming to my podcast. I've been so looking forward to having you on, so thank you. Well, what's taking you so long, actually? Oh, oh really? Oh, is I've this been how here. I don't know about where you've been. Oh, my God. Is this how we're going to play it today? Okay, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. And thank you so much also for sending me my uh, new copy you know, of um, the the book. I had yeah. the other one and it um, I, I enjoyed this version too. It was kind of, so what were the new, um, what are the new uh, developments between, because I was looking for it, but I couldn't locate it. So why the new version, Neil? Oh, oh no, so that one, no. So you might've seen an early galley, perhaps. Oh, that's so, what it was. Yeah, that's all it was. So this is just the final printed version, which where, you know, errors are corrected that were caught, okay. you know. Okay. And there's an old saying in the publishing industry, um, if you find a book with no errors in it, it meant no one read it. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, there's always corrections you have to make and some things that get up. Yeah. So so that's as best as we can do at the at the point of publication. And, and uh, now in January, which uh -huh. is a year and a couple of months after the publication of the hardback, they just released the paperback. So... Got now it. it's available Got it. in Got a lighter, it. cheaper version. Yeah. Got it. That's what it was. Because I was I was looking, I was more when I was reading this version, not understanding what you just explained, I thought maybe there were some ideas that have changed. So I was looking for the ideas and no, the ideas are pretty pretty yeah. secure in there, only because they're they're developed over decades. They weren't yes. just some up to last minute thought I would that think, I put right? to page. Exactly. So there's some good shelf life in there, okay. I'd like to think. Yeah. Well, no. For sure, for sure. So we're going to be definitely touching upon the book. I'm sure also a lot of the conversation is going to be touching upon what's in the book. But um, Neil, the reason why I love interacting with you, I love interacting with your work, is your amazing sense of optimism. And Lord knows we need that, especially in these times and in this day and age. So my question <laughs> to you is, um, what are you most optimistic about? And most importantly, what makes you so optimistic? Yeah, so I wouldn't say I'm blindly optimistic. Let me say, let me temper that and mm -hmm. suggest that I am, I am, no, I don't like cautiously optimistic. That's too cliche. How about I'm real, I'm a realist. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, so <laughs> let's go back to the glass of water. Is it half full or half empty? Uh, right. An analogy. Um, right. I, I have an answer to that. All right. Mm -hmm. If you are draining water from the glass and it reaches halfway, it's half empty. If you are adding water to the glass and it's halfway, then it's half full. That's right. All right. So mm -hmm. all that matters is what is the direction, the vector? What is the direction of the flow of mm -hmm. the water? And mm -hmm. if you just come upon a glass of water that's just sitting there, Mm -hmm. then it's half empty because if you kept watching it, eventually it would all evaporate away. So mm. those are the answers to that question. <laughs> Is it half empty or half full? There's, there's a right. way to address that. So mm -hmm. I look at trends that are positive 
And even if things are bad, I can look at a positive trend within what's bad and say, I look forward to the future. And that's, that's the source of my optimism. That's wonderful. And then in terms of optimism, what are you most optimistic about? Especially oh, can I give an obscure, yeah. an obscure example of this? And yeah. it's part of where I first sort of developed this kind of awareness of what is good and what is bad. Mm-hmm. So uh, in 1992, my first of several, what would be several visits to South Africa. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm in Johannesburg. And it was very early. They had not fully, if I remember my history right, they hadn't fully voted to abolish apartheid, but that was the direction. Everyone knew it was headed there. It was just Mm -hmm. a matter of of, of documentation. And so, all right. And so I'm walking down the street. I'm not a small person, okay? (laughs) I'm I'm not big, big, but I'm not, no one ever said I was small, okay? I'm walking down the street and there's a couple, white couple walking towards me and at no time do they even acknowledge that I am on the sidewalk. Now, I don't mean look at me and tip their hat. No, I'm just talking about any normal human dynamic. If you two people are walking exactly towards each other on the sidewalk, there's some awareness, your peripheral vision picks it, and you step a little to the side, not completely, you just step a little, both of you step to the side and pass each other, and that's how civilized people do this. They didn't budge and fully expected me to just step out of their way. So rather than cause an international incident and (laughs) bust into them walking pretending I don't see them, I stepped out of their way. And in that moment, I realized, wow, Wow. South Africa has a long way to go because they didn't even call me nigger. (laughs) (laughs) No, think about it. If if you call me names, you recognize I'm on the street. Yes, they saw you. Think about that. If if you are angry that I exist... That's progress over denying I exist, Mm. okay? It's a weird kind of perverse progress, but it's still progress. The history of social progress will indicate, okay? So when I see previously ignored groups, people arguing about them or fighting over them, or then I say, okay, that's a start, (laughs) okay? Whereas if you're in the middle of it and you're the one getting name called, it feels Mm. very low and you feel very... Um, assaulted by it but it's worse if they completely ignore you as though you do not exist so Mm. it's those kinds of little vectors that i look for in society Mm -hmm. that allows me to say yes we're on a trend line and the future will be better than the past wow very interesting i had no idea i mean i yeah some yeah okay so it's it's a little recovery time needed here but um so going on that, when you're talking you have about... You to digest tra- what I just said, okay? Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I really, I literally Take a sip of coffee and we <laughs> can continue. <laughs> no, I mean, this is, yeah, no, but, but you're making such a good point, though. And so going, staying with that frame and thinking about where this country is, and today, this country, when I say this country, I mean America. That's where both you and I are right United now. United States, I mean, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the United States. I mean, I'm, I'm uh, in Austin, you're in New York right now. Um, me, literally, I, I feel I'm also 
you know, I'm Senegalese, obviously, those are my roots and uh, my bigger part of my identity, if not all of it. But in any case, America, both the US and Senegal are going to go for elections this year. I don't intend to ask you about, you know, uh, Senegalese intention, uh, elections because, you know, we're a tiny country, seven, 17, 18 million people, you know, we're a speck in the world. But when it comes to the U.S., Neil, I want to tap into your your sense of um, fairness because I, uh, I would not ask this question to just anyone uh, because, you know, I know what to expect um, and no fairness, but it's to you. I... Because I'm very interested in how can we how how are we going to come back together? And we can't we can't just be happy saying oh you're a Democrat you're a Republican whatever so we can't see eye to eye. So Neil, I want you to walk to to help me understand to help me understand what is it that you think Democrats have gotten wrong about Republicans, and likewise, what do you think Republicans have gotten wrong about Democrats? Oh, most things. I would yeah. say three quarters of what people think are either underinformed or misinformed about the people they're arguing with. And what social media has done, I'm not, of course, the first to reveal this, social media has magnified what were previously mild differences or, or casual differences, the kind of differences you chat, you know, you know, while you're walking down the street and then go have a beer, right? Those small differences have become magnified in these echo chambers of social media, because that's the business model of social media. The more angered and emotionally engaged you are by whatever content it fed you, the more you will stay with it and keep feeding it. And so it, there's a force operating on us all that's practically outside of our control. It's yeah. because it's operating psychologically and emotionally, yeah. not intellectually and rationally. And so I, I'll give an example. The Republicans like to blame Democrat, Democrats for raising taxes, right? Uh, tax and spend, this sort of thing. Okay. So, well, taxes would go to the government and then the government then spends it on things that Congress judges are priorities for the government. In the United States, the number one priority is the military as measured by budget. And I think that's correct. It was nearly a trillion dollars out of our six trillion uh, out of our six trillion dollar budget. And then you go down from there. Okay. So if you are Republican and one of your reasons for not liking Democrats is because they might tax you, you can ask a different question. So let's say um, which states of the 50 are responsible for the most tax revenue to the United States per capita. The most tax revenue. All right. Eight out of the top 10 states vote blue, typically. So basically vote Democrat. All right. So now you can ask, of the states that receive more money from the government than they pay in taxes. Mm -hmm. So what are the 10 states that have the most federal outlays back to them per capita? If you were fully in a Republican mindset, you would say to yourself, well, those, those would all be Democrat voting states. Of course it would be because they're the ones that are tax and spend and they, they, they want all social programs and everything. Okay. 
Well, six out of those 10 vote Republican or have voted Republican in the 2020 election. Okay. Mm -hmm. To be precise. And so, so there are things that don't quite match up. Other things, the, the Republican party cites themselves as family values and Democrats are like not family values. And it's hard to quantify family values, but we can toss up some measures of this. How about divorce rates? Okay. If you, if everybody's divorcing, maybe you don't have high family values. The state with the far and away lowest divorce rate in the United States is Massachusetts. And you can't get bluer than Massachusetts in voting history, just for example. And when you continue to do, oh, and add to that um, teen pregnancies, out of wedlock uh, pregnancies, that's another sort of measure of low family values. The states that dominate those statistics tend to be in the South, and they voted red in the 2020 election. Also, the only presidents to ever have been divorced at the time they were elected president were Republican presidents. And that includes um, Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump. So, so these tropes that we construct for, oh, oh no, here's another one. Li- liberals like to declare that conservatives are anti-science. Okay. Anti-science. Then I say, well, what do you mean by that? And there's only two things you can cite, really. Okay, so one of them is there's strong resistance to the scientific um, uh, research regarding climate change. In fact, built into political platforms are statements that were in denial of climate change. In the book, I give an example in the Texas Republican platform, which specifically denied the claims of, 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 of climate change uh, advocates. And they would later soften that language, by the way. Um, and so that, which is progress, it's progress. But my point is the liberals like to say that they're anti-science. Meanwhile, and, and we'll cite that as they, an example. They being, they being the, they being the Republicans. Yes, that Republicans broadly are anti-science. Well, there are a couple of ways you can try to address that. You can say, well, what has been the science budget under Republican leadership over, let's say, since the Second World War? So 70 years. What is the science? That's a measure of how much science is valued within an administration. With the exception of the Kennedy-Johnson years, where we were going to the moon, if we add NASA as part of that, that science budget, if you, so that's an interesting fact. All the other Republic, all Republican presidents had higher science budgets than Democratic presidents. Mm. All of them. Mm-hmm. In mm. fact, under President Clinton, the budget for NASA is eight years. The budget for NASA dropped the spending power dropped by 25%. Oh. Okay. And at the end, it was, we have to do it sort of cheaper, but better, faster, cheaper was the motto. And the rebuttal to that was pick two, pick, <laughs> you can do better, faster, but not cheaper. You can do it faster, cheaper, but it's not better. Okay. So, 
so the idea that Republicans are anti-science when their budgets are higher doesn't jive. But also, where do you find homeopathy, uh, anti-GMO, anti-pharma, anti, where do you find the seeds of astrologers, um, crystal healers, feather energy, chakra alignments, those, those places in, in, in society, those, those ways of thinking, each one of them, if you are in denial, if, if, if you're in denial of, 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 of GMO, if you're pro all these other things, it involves some, some or total rejection of mainstream science associated with those subjects. And all of them have deep roots within the liberal community. I, you, you, I, you, I can stand next to someone in line who says, I have this homeopathic medicine. And I say, well, how much active ingredients in it? Well, there's none, but the liquid remembers that it used to have active ingredients. And so I'm taking it. Oh, okay. What do you think of Republicans? Oh, they're anti-science. And I'm thinking, what, what am I confronting? What? Okay. Okay. So these labels we give people, these yeah. tropes mm -hmm. are intellectually lazy mm -hmm. and they're devoid of nuance. They're devoid. And it works both ways. It works both okay? ways. Oh, both by ways. the way, you could, you could cherish your feather energy and it will not lead to existential consequences. So I'm not declaring that liberals who like their sort of new age philosophies are as dangerous to world, um, the, the health and security of the world, as are people who are in denial of climate change. I'm not saying these are equal weight. I'm just saying both of them require that you reject some form of mainstream science. We even have a presidential candidate. Uh, RFK Jr., who, if he looks this way, he'll tell you, trust the science on the climate change. The scientists know what they're talking about. Then we looks the other way and talks about vaccines. Don't trust the scientists on the vaccines, okay? Because mm -hmm. he's mostly anti-vaccine, okay? Mm -hmm. Or he's on he's on uh, on he's in the world of, I'm not sure about vaccines. I'm just going to ask a lot of questions, leading mm -hmm. people to be suspicious of vaccines so that they would continue without it. That requires you reject some or all mainstream science associated with that topic. So people are complicated. And it, to me, it's complicated. It's, I'm intrigued that we have a presidential candidate who will tell you, will, will, that will cherry pick what, he, what science he wants you to embrace uh, yeah. So, yeah. so, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of this um, mismatch of people's mm -hmm. thinking and how it corresponds to objective reality. The Magatweed Show is brought to you by Skinny Skin. Skinny Skin is a premium assortment of skin and lip therapy products manufactured with natural ingredients originated in Africa. I founded Skinny Skin in an effort to create jobs, prosperity, and provide a greater sense of dignity 
for my beloved Senegal. Skinny Skin is an African product made in Africa by Africans, bringing money and capital into African economies through value creation. Purchasing African products made in Africa by Africans is what Africa needs to thrive. Visit SkinnySkin.com and discover our products. No, it's, it's very interesting. And um, I guess for me, Neil, when I think about all of this, um, I am tempted. I'm one of those people who's tempted to always try and go back to, for me, I want to call that what happens when people are trying to do some critical thinking, right? So you may not like where they end up on, where they end up as they start engaging critical thinking. Because, um, I mean, I, I would not call myself somebody who accepts all mainstream anything. And, um, you know, it's just like I look at issues issue by issue. Um, and if any, and if history shows us anything, is that for a long time, oftentimes so-called scientists were wrong until they were right, right? And it's normal. We, we're out there, the way I look at our species is we're out there trying to make sense of a world, trying to make this, all of these discoveries. And sometimes we got it wrong, sometimes we got it right, sometimes we got it halfway wrong, halfway right, and we just need to keep going at it. And and for me, the way I look at the science, uh, at the scientific inquiry is to always see how can we keep pushing the boundaries. So, I mean, especially as a black woman, we all know, you know, that um, <laughs> talking about the science world, there's a lot of things that, you know, they would say, oh, it's all good for you. And we know it's not it was not good for us. So so I, I think for me, it's all about just like, you know, um, calling out a sense of critical thinking issue by issue and, you know, kind of looking at the evidence and seeing where is it that we land. I think for me, what I have been really upset and really um, it, it, it really, truly depressed me is I think when people have questions we should not get into the habit of suppressing them because, and you know, let me bring up this example. Yesterday I was in, um, I was in this meeting. I can't disclose what it was, um, the people, because it's, it was done the Oxford style, you know, where whatever is in the, you know, the Chatham, the Chatham rules. So I'm not, I cannot talk much, much more beyond, I can't talk about the participants, but there are some very high level people in there. Some of them physicists, some of them, I mean, we're talking really. And, I I sat there, Neil, and everybody has bought into one version of the story uh, when it comes to even, because we were talking about where will the migrant situation be at by 2051. And um, the more I heard these people talk, it was 35 of us, two of us, it's, it seems like only a couple of us were not really, you know, uh, in the same train of thought as the others. I definitely was one of those two. And my whole thing was, I'm sitting there and thinking, wow, it seems like all of you guys have bought this idea that by 2050, 51, maybe even if I ask you by 2100, you're living in a world in which us Africans are still going to be dirt poor, the poorest people in the world still. You, that's the that's mind frame you're working with, the social fact you're working from. And, and then we'll go, you know, I want to I talk to you more about the climate change thing. And so many of them have said that they agree with uh, where the climate change, um, you know, conversation is. And therefore, these are the steps we're going to take. And I look at the steps that they want to take, Neil. If those, take, if those steps are taken, I might as I, as an African person, might as well just give up. I might as well just give up on my African ancestry. I might as well give up on my African people. I might as well give up on any chance we ever will have to ever get anywhere. And that's rather distressful. And um, when I think of that, and I take it back maybe even to the vaccine situation, 
when people have questions, we we have to allow them to talk about it. I think I think it did it did a huge disservice to the vaccine conversation. And you'll see that here, I don't even share my views on the vaccine. And I do it on purpose. I do it on purpose because for me, it's not about a fight. But, you know, people have concerns. Some of them are scared. They're hearing things from underneath, from underneath, you know, like it's not because... Maybe back in the days, the media, the, the mainstream media did not want the world to talk about stuff. You know, Facebook would say, if you say this about climate change or you say this about vaccine, we're going to suppress you. They can do that all they want. At the end of the day, you you know us. I mean, you, you know humans better than anyone because that's, you study us. You study science, biology, all of that. You know that it's not because you block everything that we're not going to find ways to communicate with each other. We will always will. But when those conversations happen in these weird spaces, in these weird rooms, I have the same thing going on with the IQ Fury. You know, it's one of the most upsetting conversations that could be had. Yet, you know, so yet one part of our population has made it that we should not talk about it because it's just so supposedly unsavory. But we can do that all we want. People are still going to go and talk about it because it matters to them. And, and then it becomes these conspiracy theories. And then we don't even know anymore what is true from what is wrong. We don't know what people are hearing. And that's going to be, for me, it was my biggest, biggest criticism of how this has been handled and going forward where the world is going. So, so yesterday, going back to that, I was in rooms where, you know, people are reconsidering maybe the, the value, the, the merits of dictatorship. Oh, maybe, maybe we, we should look, look into dictatorship to uh, force people to do the right thing about the environment. Maybe democracy is not the best thing to use uh, to handle the, the, the measures that need to be taken for climate change. You see, Neil, it's just, it's just, the whole thing is just so scary to me. And I'm wondering, how can we go back to this place where we can put it all on the table and have this conversation? Because me, I'm always talking to the honest, confused person in the back end watching, listening. You don't hear them much, but they're trying to make sense of this. Meanwhile, everybody's just screaming at each other. So that's why I wanted to have this conversation with someone like you, because, you know, I, I really feel like we need to go back to what you said, nuance. And can we have nuance? Uh, so I feel like, so So my, my I guess the, the question I have for you here is, Let's take the, the, the vaccine thing, maybe, and then, and, then, and then I have a big one about the climate. Neil, I'm telling you, maybe I'll take the climate. I am not going to sit on the sideline and watch the message and the policies being promoted by those who have bought into climate alarmism. I'm just not going to sit there and watch them wipe me out. Because at this point, that's it's really what it's going to come down to. And you can ask me, what do I mean? And I can answer. But maybe I, this is a point where I want to segue into that whole climate thing, by the way. Because, again, I won't have these conversations with people that I feel like are extreme on either end. I, I want to have this conversation with people. Because, Neil, I came from the place of, once upon a time, I started believing these ideas about the climate change. Because, see, I'm, I'm this weird animal. I'm very much a bleeding heart. I'm very much a bleeding heart. I I, I started out almost as a uh, borderline communist, honestly. And the reason why I was there is because I always cared about, I hate this word, but I always cared about the underdogs because I consider us Africans to be the underdogs in this world. And so you can understand that I, I devoted my life to trying and seeing how how can we make it not the case anymore. So... So, so a part of me, a huge part of me, 
is very bleeding heart. I'm bleeding heart about the environment. I'm bleeding heart about people. I'm bleeding heart, which makes me a, a weird animal in the circles in which I am. But the reason why I'm in the circles in which I am, which are more, you know, um, pro-freedom, pro-liberty, is because of what I came to understand through my life journey. But I digress. All of this just to say, anytime I hear environment, climate, nature, earth, what's going on, what's going on, who is touching Mother Earth? So I started believing everything that I was told. Once upon a time, I found myself being anti-nuclear energy, not, not weapons, of course, nuclear weapons. I mean, But eventually I started doing my homework and I'm seeing like conflicting information. And uh, so I want to know from you where you stand on that. And I want to see if maybe you can help me. Um, I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you because I am I'm collecting my data still. So I, I want to hear from you. I'm not. Well, I take that back. I'm not collecting my data still. I am. I'm, I'm curious. I want to know how someone like you feels about the whole climate change and um, ga- use of gas and stuff like that in Africa. So. Sorry, thank you for listening to me on this one. But okay. <laughs> it's, it's weighing on me. It's weighing on my heart, Neil. It's weighing on my heart. Okay. Thank you. Okay. That felt cathartic for you to get all of that out. That, that's what it felt. So um, I need to back up to some earlier points you made just to, to lay down a proper landscape. Um, the way science works is not how you described. Okay. okay. There's an important distinction between science and every other activity in the human condition and in human civilization. And that is, um, science has the unique ability with its methods and tools to establish objective truths in the world. No other means of exploring the world comes close to it in its ability to do this. And the objective truths using the methods and tools of science developed primarily that there were indications of these methods and tools earlier, but they didn't become widespread until around 1600, the year 1600. So we've been invoking the methods and tools of science basically for the past 400 years. All right. And so what is it involved? If you have an idea about how the world works, then you propose a way to test it. Okay. And if the test is consistent with your idea, you say, that's good. Well, maybe you're biased. Maybe you were half asleep when the data came in. Maybe your wall plug currents were different from what you needed to make the proper measurements. So you get someone else to make, to do the experiment. If their results match yours, statistically matches yours, then you say, all right, get someone to design a different experiment that's looking for the same result. If the different experiment, hey, that's good. Now you get someone who's a competitor of yours to test it, and they get about approximately the same result. When this repeats, the methods and tools of science have established a new objective truth about the world. And those objective truths are not one day later shown to be false. We're not going to one day wake up and say, well, maybe E equals MC cubed. Let's, let's think, let's do some more research. That's not going to happen. That's not how the science works. We're not going to say, maybe the sun is actually a big cube of ice 
instead of a boil of a ball of roiling gas, hot gas. Okay, they're results of science that are fundamental to how nature works, uh, to our understanding of how nature works. Okay, on the frontier, the science results change daily. The scientists are arguing with each other all the time Mm -hmm. on the frontier. This is why we have journals. This is why we have scientific conferences. Mm -hmm. You go to a conference and people think that we're just sitting there with our legs up on the chair, you know, basking in our mastery of the universe. Yeah, there's the stuff that we're... I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So that's true for some of it, yes. But any active scientist is at the chalkboard or whatever they're made of today, the, the whiteboard, they're at the drawing board um, establishing what they think is the pathway to the next objective truth. Okay. Right. So, so that's a very important fact here. So your comment, well, scientists have thought something was true and then we found something else is true. Not since 1600. No. Unless the press finds a scientific, hold on, on, on the, here's what happens, yes, which maybe leads you to think this, and others. Somebody publishes a research result mm-hmm. that's a little intriguing, mm-hmm. but it hasn't been verified by anybody yet. It just gets published. The press sees it, headlines, and then everybody thinks that's the new truth. No, it's not. It might be. But it's not established as such until other reports confirm it. And if other reports can't confirm it, then it's not a result. And so it's what to be. Saying, so what you're saying is um, you're seeing that. And, oh, wait, and, then the public, and then the public sees uh-huh. some other results that uh-huh. says, no, that first result is wrong. And then they'll say, what do scientists know? They're changing their mind every few minutes. Cholesterol is good for you. Now it's bad for you. You should eat eat carbs. No, don't eat carbs. These are research results on the frontier. And you're trying to align your entire life around the results of one. The press would have you do that. But then you see other research results because it's an active area of research. So this is... No, this makes, it makes, uh, thank you, by the way, for making those clarification for people listening and myself included. Um, so basically what I'm hearing you say is what you're saying is that, um, what you're saying is that um, the scientists are doing the work for scientists do. They're out there, you know, they get to a certain, they get to a certain truth and then they some, but they keep working because we keep, we need to keep going further and further in our understanding, you know, of, of of systems and and things um and that that pushing it the envelope further is what you call the fringe the edges and Not, yeah uh, fringe is different fringe is like what you're doing is weird okay <laughs> okay maybe, maybe we don't use that word but what i mean by that is like uh the cut you know the cutting edge the moving frontier the, yeah the bleeding the edge yes. bleeding edge yes the bleeding edge the frontier yeah so they're doing the they're doing what they're supposed to do which is exactly that just keep 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 pushing it um but what you're saying and maybe going back to what you said earlier about uh what do you call it the um the phenomenon even of social media, what you're saying is in a way, uh, and I guess it's the same thing about law and everything, seems like our culture is a little bit, um, the tools that our culture gives us, takes us ahead of uh, where the scientists are because they're processed 
normal it does take time you know there's going to be but the process the scientific process takes time where us it's almost like they did this they found something they don't know for sure but it's interesting to 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 to, to look into but then the rest of us take it it leaks almost from their from their labs, and then the rest of us take it and start to you know make all types of uh, big plans based on that as if it was truth already. And when we, they have not said it is yet you know proven, we have not even done the. And, and somebody else gets a different result, and then people right. choose sides based on whose result was floating in the air at the at that moment. And I they happening. and especially in social media, people will be very. Uh, strenuously defending mm-hmm. what feels good to them if mm-hmm. they find a result that agrees. Makes so, sense. so that this is, so that's the first response that I want to offer you to, mm-hmm. to your, 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 um, to your excursion there with your state, your perceptions of the world. Another very important point is that the, our species is uh, our brain wiring is ill-equipped to handle probability and statistics. It's just pure and simple, okay? It's not anyone's fault. It's, as best as I can judge, we're just bad at it. We are so bad at it that entire industries have risen up to exploit how bad we are at it. And they're called casinos, okay? (laughs) You go into a casino thinking you're coming back, coming out with more money than you went in, okay? And you'll hear stories of people, I, I won three times, blah, blah. And, you say, and you hear that, you say, wow, I'm going to go in there so that I can duplicate this. This is part of the delusions, the statistical delusions that consume our, what would otherwise be rational thought, okay? So this has consequences, other than whether you choose to go into a casino or not. And the consequences are, how do you deal with risk? Okay? How do you deal with risk? So, a vaccine, uh, let's take vaccines as an example here. Um, And this is applied to anything, but vaccines is a very clean example to give here. They find a vaccine that is 90% effective, whatever number, it won't matter. Let's let's just say 90% effective, okay? at preventing transmission or reducing or, or, or keeping you out of the hospital. There's some claim associated with that 90%. All right. So then what happens? One person comes up to you and says, I took the vaccine and I still got sick. I was sick as a dog. So, so, so you shouldn't take the vaccine. Well, maybe that person is in the 10%. Okay. <laughs> but because it is a eyewitness testimony, what human to human interaction swamps our understanding of statistics and probability the, the 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 reality of a person sitting in front of you giving you contrary information to a statistic has the power to override your ability to interpret that statistic and Advertisers know this, okay, but it's in their favor. So they could just show you a bar chart that shows that their product is better than other charts, but that never works 
because it's statistics. They'll show a person who say, I used this product and it changed my life and I lost 50 pounds and I did this. And you're going to listen to that person and you're not going to look at the bar charts. And even if you did, you're not going to feel it. Okay. That's why in my field, in the physical sciences, we take classes in probability and statistics for years and years and years. I probably had six years all total throughout my college. Well, uh, um, high school, I went to a science-based high school, so I had statistics there, but in college and in graduate school, all of this combined gives me some ability to override my emotional reaction to a statistic. So we live in a world where you're going to believe your friend before you're going to believe a dispassionate bit of data that's reported to you. So then you Neil... also commented. Uh-huh. No, okay, but so, before... so I just want to, I want to put that, that in context. And one, one other point, which uh-huh. will sort of complete my, my response to your critique of science. Um, oh, I am not criticizing was... science, Neil. I am no, not. No, no, I no was... methods. And... No, I, no, I get it. I, I don't want to, I don't want to misrepresent. Okay, so to your observations of science, not your critique, to your no, observations no, no, no. of science. So one so other. Neil, no, Neil, I, I have to correct that before we move forward. I think. Oh, please, please. Uh, it, yeah, no, it's uh, it's unfortunate that uh, my comment made it sound like I was, you know, uh, criticizing science for science. I, that's, that's not where I came from. So let me maybe uh, clarify where i where i am having um what i was alluding to is the fact that and what you explained which just right now was really great so but both you and i know that the cat is not going to go back in the bag the cat is out of a bag never going back uh we have communication tools that we could complain about all day all we for all we want. My issue with social media is not so much about that. It has to do with what it does to kids in general. Um, So I have my issue with social media, but for different reasons. But this idea of uh, people now being, you know, way more connected than ever before, information flying around in in wild and at at a crazy rate um, is not, I don't think, I don't see a world in which we're going to be able to tame that, to take that back. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even say that I want that to change per se. So my point, my point has to do with when all of this is out there and when the scientists are doing their work, the bleeding edge um, scientists keep on happening. Somehow information leaks out. They have not reached, um, you know, like it has not been replicated. Research consensus. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. Mm -hmm. None of that has happened yet. The rest of us run with information. Then we apply, you know, bias selection to, to everything that we hear. All of that stuff is happening. My point is all of that stuff is happening. And um, so for me, I guess everything I was trying to bring up earlier, that's why I told you, remember, I said, you're not going to know from me, you know, I'm sure if you research, you'll know where I stand on the vaccine thing. But I did my own homework and I and I looked at where I stand about it for my own myself and my family. Both my husband and I decided what is it that we're going to go for um, for him, for me. Anyway, so my point is, um, I'm not so much to me, it's not so much about what, you know, what has come out. Um, it, it's about. These forces are out there. People are going to do what people do. How do we, how can we move forward 
in a way where and in a way where in a way that folks don't feel that they're just being suppressed or worse suppressed in the name of oh you guys are just dumb you don't know what you're doing yeah, i was you working my way up to that because that was all oh, part of your right. full Sorry, but, but i wanted but i just wanted to say i was not criticizing science per se I, okay. i'm more you're observing science you're observing well, I'm, and, I'm more criticizing where we have gotten and how do we how how do we allow people to be part of a scientific process without just telling the rest of us you're so stupid go home um you don't know what you're talking right. about and trying to tell us that we can't even talk about anything because yeah, yeah, i'm getting there go ahead i'm getting there okay so um so part of our our ability to empower ourselves mm -hmm. is um you know the 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 mantra do your own research okay study this because you make so you can make a decision that you're comfortable with for yourself and for your right. loved ones so right. that became a mantra especially in the era of the internet and what that created was a world where um you can have um hundreds and in some cases thousands of medical doctors produce research that give a result Okay. And this then becomes what I use the term mainstream. The mainstream is a result that is not linked to any in single researcher. Okay. Because any single researcher can have a bias, can have a worldview that influences it. The mainstream is what do the majority of research results give you? And there will always be fringe results around that. Okay. So here's what happens. It got people to show, it got people, so this idea of do your own research is they'll see the mainstream and then they'll see a person who might even have pedigree say, the mainstream is wrong. Here's what you need to know. That is irresistible clickbait on social media. Anyone who says, they don't want you to know this. They all are, excuse me, but I have the answer. Oh my gosh, of course you're clicking on that. Because it's it's like they have my interest in mind and they're a human being and I can see their face and I can see their expressions. The mainstream doesn't have a face. It's hundreds, if not thousands of researchers publishing research articles and they don't have a face. There's a statistic that comes out the end of that. Okay, so we have this cold statistic and this person who says they're acting in your interest. And so the person who, quote, does their own research is finding these things that resonate with what they kind of want to be true anyway, or what, or they don't want to do something. They find something that supports what they don't want to do in spite of mainstream research results. And so, so you, you end up with the, something that I said in my master class. I didn't know when I said it, that it was actually a researched known named phenomenon. Okay. I, what, what I said uh, in my research, in my classes, one of the great, um, uh, uh, one, of, one of the great challenges we face in on the internet, especially, but in this world is knowing enough about a subject to think you're right, hmm. but not enough about the subject to know you're wrong. Okay. I would later learn that that's a research phenomenon. It was called the Dunning-Kruger effect, hmm. where a little bit of knowledge that someone gains, they have a, a level of confidence that is 
incommensurate with their actual knowledge, but it's a feeling. Yeah, I know. I read, I spent two hours on YouTube doing this. Okay. And then the more they learn, then they realize how much they actually didn't know. And so mm-hmm. then their confidence drops until they learn much, much more. And then the confidence comes back again. Mm-hmm. We're stuck in that. And mm-hmm. so all, what I'm asserting is mm-hmm. that the school system needs vastly more training of the students in probability and statistics so that when confronted with scientific data, they will know how to think about it, how to interpret it, and not how to cherry pick it. Got it. Because the cherry picking is what the gambler does when they see, when they hear the slot machine hit, hit jackpot, they say, oh, that's going to be me. Because that's a visible thing that's one in a hundred thousand people who walked in there that day, or one in a million, but that's gonna be me. The mm-hmm. delusions of self take mm-hmm. over the rationality of this of the data and of the statistic. So okay, so now and then now to find bring closure to all of the topics you raised is once we have reliable scientific data. Mm-hmm. It's an entire other question of how that applies to policy, to geopolitics, to society. That's where you need politics. But when a politician says there is no global warming, you're wasting everybody's time because you're fucking wrong. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so, 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 so recognize what are objective truths out there start there now ask yourself are there climate are there carbon credits are there this or if we do this and and you know we the united states built its entire industrial revolution on coal and oil and and polluted the atmosphere okay and now the country's trying to rise up and that's their cheapest access to power and you want to suppress that? What is that fair? What who, who wins? Who does? Those are political conversations. And you can have a scientist in those conversations, but the scientist politics which should be no higher or lower than other people's politics if it's just politics. But the science itself the more politics argue about politicians argue about the science, the more we are delaying actual solutions to actual problems. So, two couple of things uh, before going into that. Um, so, when I go back to what you said about um, for you the solution to the issue of the cat being out of a bag, information is going to come out. Is going to come out. Um, what scientists are coming up with at the bleeding edge. Some of that information, they're just going through the normal process. They haven't, they haven't reached uh, a conclusion yet on X or X or Y, you know, issue. But the rest of us are getting all of this, and it's just flying around, and we're making decisions. And you're saying uh, your solution to that is uh, for humans to be better equipped, and you're saying our school systems got to do better. And- yeah, and by the way, that plugs back into your very important point, which is the uh, the reason why. We can complain that Facebook suppressed uh, 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 um, posts. Okay, yeah, yeah, and 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 all right. So, did anyone ever say this private company is a center of the freedom of speech? I don't think anyone ever said that when it was founded. 
But if we want to, if we want to think of it that way, then sure, then nothing should really be suppressed according to the free speech rules as established by the courts some decades ago. Free speech is fine as long as it doesn't incite felonious violence, right? So, so all right, get it. So now watch. If everyone knew how to interpret information, you wouldn't need that. Facebook would not feel the need to protect people by removing posts that give misinformation. Misinformation that could lead to more deaths. Okay? So with the misinformation, we are susceptible to misinformation because we don't know how to think about scientific data. That's the problem. So that's why I'm saying if we were trained from the beginning and we see one person passionately saying, this will all kill you, and then you see the mainstream results in published journals that are verified saying the opposite, you don't go and you don't go to the person with the person who's got the, the, the charismatic YouTube channel. That is not how we establish objective truths in this world. And you would know that and none of those people would be in business. No, and I I on that part we agree. Where I don't agree necessarily with you, Neil, is I, I didn't say I, anything to agree or disagree with. <laughs> I, I'm just giving you information here. I no, I, no, no. I swear I didn't say anything. That was an no, opinion for you to agree I'll, or disagree I'll, with. I'll, I'll tell you what I disagree with uh, okay. or where, where I feel like there is a slippery slope. Um, I am in line with you. That's why I remember when we were talking about this earlier, for me, at least you call it, people need to be better trained in statistics. Oh, um, yes. If, me, if, I, we need to be better trained if we're going to handle statistical gonna, information that comes yeah. from science. Got it. We're on the same page with that. I, oh, by the me, way, and, and casinos will go out of business overnight. So it's <laughs> not... <laughs> well, that wouldn't be a bad thing. That wouldn't be a bad thing as far as I'm concerned. But, uh -huh. you know, I, I am with you in terms of, uh, I, that's why I brought up the word uh, critical thinking. I guess, you know, um, knowing how to interpret statistics for me is part of critical thinking as well. And then there are yes. other things in there. It's a centerpiece. Yeah. So we were in this, we're on the same page on that. And I'm a big, big believer because as a matter of fact, if you hear me talk anywhere, I will say that I blame our education system for not having brought up kids who are better, you know, people who are better trained. That's where I stand. You're going back by saying, yeah, the schools have to do a better job. I, I am right there with you. And beyond the school, another question I might have for you, but uh, maybe that's going to be for another day because I want to go into some other things. But um, I was also, I'm still not clear about what do we do about the adults of today. So hopefully the schools do a good job. <laughs> yeah, there's a time delay. You can fix the you school. You got to wait 30 years till they become exactly. right, a politician. Right. But we're going to start somewhere. We're going to start somewhere. So the kids, hopefully, hopefully, okay. you know, that's going to be taken care of. And I'm, I'm, I sure hope, Neil, you're out there using your influence uh, to get this type of stuff into the curriculums because I think okay. it's so important. Where do you disagree but, with me? I didn't think I said anything. I will, that tell, you, I will tell you where I disagree. Well, it's well, yeah, please. Where were you saying we have companies like Facebook, um, companies, I don't care if it was to be Facebook or whichever company it is. Yeah, it wouldn't matter. I, There's plenty of platforms, yeah. yeah. I personally don't want to live in a world where some, some, some group of people decided of what is it that I get to see or not. And I understand what you're saying. The information might kill. Uh, when you say the information... Right, media might... has always been that. That's what television always was. That's what radio... Didn't you just say... What you hear, what you see, what you think. But, Neil, when you said 
um, XX company, and you used one of them, I won't say the name again, XX company decided that um, if, if this was not, if this was not happening, a company like Facebook, let's say, a company like Facebook would not feel the need to suppress um, information, you know, to suppress information. I think in doing that, I think that's my point. I feel that part was done wrong. Maybe it would have been better to just say, hey, you're listening to this, but um, know that there is other sources that are completely at the opposite of it. It was done in the interest of public health. Excuse me? It was done in the interest of public health. Which is which is a contract that I understand the right right right. It it was that's a contract that Mm -hmm. we all have we have signed by agreeing to live in society. I agree. Neil, I agree with that part. Where I think where you don't where you don't see where I'm coming from is I agree with that part. The part that I still disagree with is, especially if this is the, the 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 and I don't need to sign, by the way, a contract to know to live by such by such virtue of yeah. we should all always do the best we can to preserve life. Um, but my point is, I go back Civil to life. it. And yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And I go back to it. To me, it was just done the wrong way because the, when they started suppressing and people started talking to each other, oh, something is suppressed. You were actually feeding that sense of uh, you know conspiracy. You know, so it, it's all I'm saying. I, is, I'm not. Wait, wait, wait. Just to be clear. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Just to be clear. Oh, by the way, the urge to think there's a conspiracy is part of the susceptibilities we have not understanding probability and statistics. Agreed. So, Agreed. so there's a profound susceptibility we all have to that kind of thinking. And and that's why their entire magazines, they're not they're not on all shelves, but they exist, that, uh, that are trying to train people's uh, – train – Train you how to be a skeptic. A skeptic is not doubting everything. A skeptic is realizing when something might not be true because of who is putting forth the information. I'm not defending Facebook. I'm simply saying that that's a private company. They can do what the fuck they want, okay? Unless we all agree that they're not a private company. And if they're not a private company, then then the government has control over what they do. So I, I'm not here to vote for how what Facebook should or should not have done. No, I don't no, even no. care. I care no. about people. I care yeah, about people. And, and yeah. that's why. And and both you and I care about people. This is why I'm. And both you and I care about people. And both you and I know that the massive amount of population people out there are have the traits that you mentioned. You know, we don't understand statistics. Uh, we also have our own wiring working against us. You know, to kind of figure all of this out. And yeah. my point is. All I was trying to get to with you is what should we do with the humans of today? And the answer cannot be whether done by the government or by Facebook or a private company. The answer, I don't think, can be about we're just going to suppress some of the stuff we know they're going to hear about and just force feed them this because we have determined it is the truth, whether it's the truth or not. But again, I'm not even arguing that. But my point is, this is what's going on. And I just don't think that suppressing, whether coming from the government or from private se- the private sector, is going to help. So I'm saying, Neil... Yeah, they didn't trust people to think rationally. Yeah, you... They didn't trust people. Yeah, you understand humanity. Tell us how... They didn't uh, trust people to make correct decisions in the interest of public health. That's why they did it. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just telling you that's why they did it. 
I know that. But now my question to you, Neil, because sure. I, I, I love to hear what you what you think, because I'm, mm -hmm. you're a person of interest to me. Uh, what would you suggest if you had a magic? I would rather we educate people so that that's not necessary. I agree with that. But the people and I'm an today... educator, so that's what I spend my whole life doing. Okay, so then you're saying that the adults of today, basically, we just have to go and, um, you know, turn your channel and we listen to you. And uh, maybe we'll, I'm not saying it's wrong. I mean, I I'm listening to you. But the thing so what is, Facebook could have done, there are other ways they could have done this. There uh, we go. Had they, had they understood human behavior better, they would have realized that if you ban certain things, that excites people even more. Okay. And so that's an emotional reaction to a ban. It's like banned books. Oh, what books are they? I want to go read exactly. them, right? Exactly. So, so they didn't understand, which is odd because they're all about knowing human behavior in their advertising business model. But <clears throat> so what they could have done was had forums, okay, where they show what scientists say and why there's a consensus and how many lives have been saved by vaccines over the centuries, the, the two or three centuries that we've had them and what value they, they could have had educational platforms to educate people so that you're equipped to know what to think when someone says all the medical doctors are wrong and I'm right because look at this person here. Okay. Yeah. We need to be equipped and she right in a free country uh, where nothing should ever be withheld. For sure. Otherwise, it's not a free country. It might as well be a dictatorship. By the way, by, by the way, uh, one of just to, as long as we're on the subject, one of my books, uh, my war book, it's a, Accessory to War, The Unspoken Alliance Between Astrophysics and the Military. That book is a big fat book. I have a co-author, Avis Lang, a longtime um, editor of mine. Uh, uh, we so that book was translated as many books are into other languages it came time for it to be translated into simplified chinese okay that's what it's called the all right and they came back and said okay you need to change these paragraphs or delete and and delete these other paragraphs for us to translate it and i looked at it and okay the china is a huge marketplace you know, financially, it's a huge marketplace for sales. And I look at it and I say, well, these are changes. This is weird. This is nice. And my co-author said, Neil, this is, this is bad. We shouldn't do this. We shouldn't allow, agree to any changes. And I said, well, if we don't agree, then no one in China sees any part of the book. Isn't it better that they see some of the book? Than if not? And then my wife told me, she said, Neil, she has a PhD in mathematical physics, my wife. She said, Neil, these are not just simply abridgments, okay? Where you'd say, oh, this is an abridged. These are expurgations. And I said, Now, oh. for those of us who don't, uh, what is, explain that word. Okay, sure. So an abridgment is you have to remove content to make it fit. Okay. An abridged encyclopedia is a shorter version of the longer one. An abridged Dictionary is a shorter version of the total dictionary. So a bridge is just shorter. Expurgated is, I don't like this information and I want you to change it or delete it. And when she used the term expurgate, it was like, oh, yes, oh my gosh, I will not agree to this. 
So that book was not translated into Chinese. And I was reminded that they do not live in a free country over there because information is channeled, edited and filtered before it even reaches their eyes and ears. And I think to myself, I, I grew up in what I like to think of as a free country and any steps that constrict that, that's a different kind of system of government. And I don't think I'd be happy about that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I mean, that's and so that's that's all I wanted to hear from you. So what you're saying is, you know, you agree that um, things information um, handling could have been done differently. And and I would have added. Yeah, to I think that's you know. how I mean, it, in 20 in hindsight, I think that's yeah. how they should have yeah. done it. Yeah. But again, yeah. they're a private company. They do what they want unless they they're not a private want. company. And they can private, I mean, you know, they're not a government uh, yeah, no, no, no. I, 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 I hear you. I hear you. And then uh, to, a, to a town hall you were talking about, I think also using those town halls to to bring people, you know, who are using the bleeding edge information to, you know, the people who are saying, oh, did you know about this? So anyway, so we're, we're, in the, we're I, I'm, I'm glad you explained that one uh, more. Uh, thank you. So um, the next thing I wanted to ask about is on the climate change, Neil. So. The stuff is out there. So I'm going to just spell out so people don't, don't not be like, what is she talking about? There's a climate, <laughs> well, in, the name of, in the name of climate change, Neil, very many environmentalists are out there promoting the radical, you know, uh, suppression of fossil fuels, pretty much. And when you look at the timelines they're giving in humans' time, it's almost like tomorrow we have to turn the faucet off. And um, me as an African, I sit there and I say, Americans need to decide for Americans what they're going to do about the climate change. Some people might argue and say, no, 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 it's a global problem. So we we we, we cannot just limit it to our to our atmosphere, to our borders. And but anyway, I'm I'm a firm believer of let every nation, let nations and citizens do, you know, come together and do what they need to do. But in this case, the anti-climate fossil fuel zealots, as I call them, is are out there saying we got a no fossil fuel um fossil fuel is just not an option for going forward and they're using the power and of and influence especially in this case um you know non-profit uh, ngos like greenpeace and company uh now helped by the esg movement and it's like we are not going to finance for example any fossil fuel uh infrastructure um in africa right and i'm sitting there saying so you're telling me but the African women's only choice, and by the way, these are the ones, uh, when you think about uh, indoor air, about pollution, which is where most of the deaths are coming from when it comes to um, climate change, um, you follow pollution, within pollution, it's primarily indoor air pollution that we're talking about. And there it's one to two million African women who are dying every single year simply because they're literally frying their lungs you know, using biomass of sorts to cook food. So the, the anti-fossil fuel people are telling me basically that the only choice these women have is use the solar stoves that most African women will tell you don't work. They don't want it. Most of the time you find it just like left in some field. So her choice is use this stuff or die. And I'm sitting there, Neil, and I'm just saying, there's, we gotta be, we can be, we, we gotta be better than that. We surely can be better than this. So what I've been doing is one by one, lining them up and asking, do you believe that's the only choice these women should have or somewhere in between? 
could we say, could we all rally and say, until renewables become, uh, re become reliable and affordable, until that happens, we agree that <clears throat> you African women should at least have a right to use propane because it's so much cleaner than the biomass that you're using. That way, save your lives and save the lives of your children. I don't know if people know this, but you know, you have kids four years old, five years old, some crazy cancers simply because they were born to families that don't have enough money to cook um, in a more clean way. So this is places where Neil, I'm just like, can we take a step back and, you know, not just be so black and white about everything and just be a little bit more sensitive, sensitive and sensible about, about this particular issue. And I'm bringing it to you because this particular issue has been my fight for the past, you know, few years. It's been including to my fight for a prosperous Africa, because as you know, what I want to see, Neil, by the time I leave this earth is to know that my continent has taken a shift for the better, knowing that this continent that is the youngest in the world, 19 years old, years in average, by 2050, a quarter of the human population will be African. It's the optics cannot be that this will be, you know, the poverty that we know today. It just can't be that way. And so for, but for poverty to be, poverty solved by prosperity, meaning our entrepreneur and entrepreneurs are the ones who build prosperity. So, but they need two things. They need an environment in which they can start and run businesses and they need access to reliable and affordable energy. If you deprive us of either one of those two, the prosperity we all so badly, so badly crave and deserve will be taken away from us. <clears throat> so, so here I'm, I'm looking to someone like you to help to help us with uh, on the on the climate change part because the the activists are out there and they're having dreadful consequences um you know on policies that are that affect us directly halfway across the world the decisions made in New York in Paris in Tokyo decide will decide as to whether or not we we get a chance to get out of this mess or not so neil please what's your stance on this i don't take stances i'm not I'm not a stance person. So you don't. So you scientists that report on objective truths, and so, but I don't take stances. Okay. First of all, second. Okay. Um, the in my read of history, unless there's a dictatorship in a free society, it's very hard to get everyone to shift in their ways of living, unless it is motivated by some other force that is not just somebody telling them to change. Okay. It can be motivated by something economic. It could, okay. How do I get everyone to watch television? Well, I first invent television. I put really cool stuff on it and then I make it a price that everybody can afford. Okay. So between 1950 and 1960, we went from near zero ownership of televisions to near a hundred percent ownership of televisions. That's how a change was implemented in the American society because forces outside of, you should get a TV. What is a TV? I don't know. I don't need a TV. I have my radio here. All of a sudden, an entire new thing descended on us. Other weird examples, but they all come together. Um, whales were a major commodity, financial economic commodity in, in this world, especially in the United States. Whale oil 
was the primary source of, of lamp lamps and heating and this sort of thing. Okay. Sure. That surely there were people saying we shouldn't be killing these magnificent creatures. These are the largest mammals, animals on earth. What are we doing here? This is, you know, that was not going to succeed <laughs> until there was something else better, to replace better. it. Yeah. Okay. So, oh my gosh, there's oil in the ground. I dig a hole, oil just spews forth. I don't have to have whaling ships putting my life at risk. I don't have to hunt another living creature that may, in fact, be smarter than we are. Okay? I can just pull oil out of the ground. That basically killed the whaling industry, no pun intended there, and created an entire other industry, and people adopted it overnight, practically. Overnight. Yeah. Overnight. Okay. Let's give another example. 1905. Any photos of the streets of New York City? You can do this anywhere, but New York City was well photographed at the time. Nothing but horse-drawn carriages. 1905. Yeah. By 1915, you couldn't give away a horse. <laughs> These are horses that have been with us for thousands of years. Horses, we literally and figuratively built civilization on the backs of horses. All right. The car. Yeah. Now, the early people would have said, no, I'm not going to give up my horse. I know when I feed it, it's going to work. And I know the car comes out. Boom. Boom. You don't have to. Well, it takes gas, but it's not a living thing. You have to worry about its health. And, and OK, you couldn't give away a horse. That happened within a 10 year span. OK, my read of history and the rapid shift of people's behavior and what they value being brought about because of the the convenience and economics of something else that lands on the scene tells me that we will not in fact succeed in going to renewables until the until as you said renewables are affordable and transportable affordable distributable and affordable did I leave anything else uh, all of the above so that I'm going to say, don't use your gas, your 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 propane or or methane. Use this, and it's a solar thing you put up. It's free because it's the sun or whatever. There's a wind turbine, and your life is better because of it. You will otherwise. I do not expect people to otherwise change their ways, and so the climate activists, and this is true basically for all activists that I've met who want you to change your behavior to match theirs because they know what the future of the world requires and you're not buying into it. Well, you still, you still want to survive. What a luxury it is to say, I choose to not do this and I'll spend more on this other thing. That's a luxury of wealthy nations. And you implied that in your comment, people in Tokyo, Paris, um, uh, in the United US States are making decisions that will affect the rest of the world. If it's done in some kind of UN pact where poor countries and rich countries, it's the rich countries that were built on coal saying, saying we, the future can't be coal yet. They've built their wealth on the, on the, on the, on the carbonaceous backbone of those molecules. So, yeah. So we need highly inventive, innovative. Um, uh, we need innovators to come up with uh, renewable energy sources that will make it people's choice 
to grab it rather than be forced. And we're not, I don't think we're there yet. No. And then you know what could solve it all? Wait, 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 wait. One other thing. Okay. You know what, you know what cars did in early New York? They got rid of the manure problem. There was a manure everywhere. Flies were reproducing the manure. And this is before supermarkets. So people were selling food open in the streets. Flies Mm -hmm. were everywhere as a health problem. Okay. How do you solve the manure problem? Yeah. You invent a car, okay? <laughs> That's how you solve the manure problem. That's so, right. so right. I, I what intrigues me is the future of geoengineering, where mm-hmm. there's some very small progress on what they call CO2 scrubbers, where right at where you have the power plants, you have these apparatus that takes the CO2 out of the air and buries it back in the ground, where it had come from when we pulled it out in the first place. If we have CO2 scrubbers, we could burn all the fossil fuels we want because we're in control of the CO2 in the environment. All right. So these are solutions that are not just simply stop doing, stop your habits that uh, have been keeping you alive uh, your entire life. So, no, I, and um, I, at least I'm glad to hear you um, say what you said, because for me, the key word in all the things that you said, it's not there yet. Meanwhile, we have living people, in this case, Africans, who have to figure out a way to keep on g- going by, unless you're asking them to just lay somewhere. And the rich die. nations need, as equally as a high priority, a way to make it affordable and transportable so that it can be distributed every place where they're otherwise using fossil fuels. And if the, that's, that's, that, is, that is a moral, economic, and social duty that they should carry with them in addition to their calls for the banishment of fossil fuels. Um, for sure. Well, no, I, for me, I am thinking about the Africans of today. Uh, do I support... The, the, the technology and research uh, looking for a way to help us transition to renewables. Of course, I support that. But what I have an issue with is in the meanwhile, in the meanwhile, uh, you know, activists sitting out there and saying no more fossil fuels. And they need to vote. fund innovative solutions. They need to do that. But in if, the meantime, if they want to have the outcome they seek. Yes, exactly. And in the meantime, but that's for the future. In the meantime, for today's women living in Africa today, they cannot be standing in the way of African women having access to propane because it is cleaner than coal or the biomasses that they're using. For me, that's what it is. There's an incremental over there that's right there available to these women. And their zealotry um, stands in the way of even doing that increment that in this case actually saves lives. So for me, that's a moral the moral urgency that I am not seeing them have, they could care less. And that's why I'm at war with, 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 with the climate, you know, with, um, the yeah. Anti- and I would, and not to make light of this, but that's called politics. And so, uh, it's politics until someone invents something that solves it. And then it's science and engineering, but until it's, until there's a science and engineering solution, yeah, we have to rely on our own rational capacity for rational thought to come up with political solutions that maximize public benefit. And well, I'm not sure what that means because uh, I what I'm what for me it's very what what I see that's very clear is some pe- some people today because today 
renewables are not where they need to be in order to be, you know, something to be a, a viable option. Today, some people are using biomass, which is killing them at the rate of one to two million a year. We're talking about the poorest among us African women who are dying at a rate of one to two million a year. That could switch in no time if they had access to propane. That might not do much for, um, that might not be something that the activists want to hear, but that's, that move from coal and biomass to propane, that incremental move alone could save one to two million lives right now. Then I have a problem with you telling me, and no, I don't care. I don't care because still that propane, what does it mean for earth? So she can die for all I know. So that's more, Neil, what I'm trying to... That's what you're dealing with. Yeah, I get it. But I'm saying these are... uh, Yes, they're bringing science to the table, the science of climate change and the predictions for what effects it will have on the world. But, uh, sure, but like I said, solutions to that come from behind closed doors or in front of closed doors by competing factions of how you might solve this problem. And we so still Neil, we have so that. Neil, are you saying, so Neil, are you saying? So what I want to hear from you is, do you believe that again that hyper that hyper that future we want to get to where renewable, you know, we have sources that don't affect the the environment. And by the way, I'm a I'm a I'm a proponent of nuclear, you know, energy. But that's a whole other conversation. We have to we don't have to go there. So my point is, while we work on this future that could make the activists happy from the climate standpoint. While we, may, while we work on that future, which I have no problem working towards that future, absolutely none, none. I said earlier, I'm, I'm, I'm an, People I'm need to own. convince the activists to redouble I'm efforts. Saying, I'm saying in the meantime, these... yeah, in the meantime, I am trying to just hear, <laughs> am I the one who is crazy thinking that in the meantime, <clears throat> it should be okay to say to these women, uh, the biomass you're using is killing you, switch over to propane, it might not be what we like to hear for the climate, but you switch over to propane, save your life right now while we're working for that bigger, for that, you know, other future. Is that something that's unrealistic to, 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 to what? Or am I, am I out to lunch? Or is there something else out there? That- what people need, based on my knowledge of politics and what happens when people of differing opinions sit around a table, is what, if you want to be effective because that's what my father used to say. It's not good enough to be right. Mm-hmm. You have to also be effective. To be mm-hmm. effective, somewhere in there needs to be a transition plan. Okay? You can't just say, I just want to use propane so that I don't die from burning bio biomass. All right? It's, uh, we will use propane for this amount of time on the expectation that there is a replacement to the propane because we all agree that using fossil fuels is bad for the environment. Okay. Well, some, some arc so that the activists hear that you ultimately want to land where they are. If they don't hear that, then you're the enemy. This is just interpersonal politics. So then I'm going to be the enemy for as long as they want, because because my point is they're, they're working on a future and I'm working on people today. And I would like to think you talked about us having, having a, a civil, con- a, a, con- a social contract, you know, among us humans. And I would like to think that that contract is 
first order of first order of the day is do no harm, do no evil. And for me, it starts with we leave no person alive, person behind. These women dying right now should not be dying right now. I, 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 I mean, I'm not I, denying I any of that. Have an agreement I'm on just that suggesting. Here. And that that doesn't only work if only, oh, you're my future, the future that I want, the future that I see, you have to tell me that you agree with that. What, which part of um, clean energy, I have no issue, me, I am, like I said, clean energy all the way. And when it comes to that, I want to then argue with them, not argue, but ask a question, why, if it's all about clean energy, what's your issue then with nuclear Right, because that's a whole other big question. Yeah, out that's, there. that's another thing where there's there there are inconsistencies in the in the left leaning arguments that the anti nukes are not. It's not entirely rational. Um, exactly. So so that's my whole point. But but meanwhile, mm -hmm. so they're saying they want this this future. I'm like that future could be here right now. There's a technology we know of right now. If we start if we start building them in in no time. In the meantime, we use the the, the fossil the. So, but anyway, my point is, what I want to make clear of is, I will not stand and watch people die today. Yeah, you, so you've that made that point. The future. That's you've, all. That's all. You've completely today. made that point, and I'm I'm just saying it's not good enough to be right. You have to be effective, and to be effective with activists, they want to hear from you that you are all in for that result that there's that they seek in whatever is that distant future. And that the moment anything comes available that they should be supporting and comes your way, you will adopt it as soon as it's there, provided it's a better replacement for the health of the uh, people than, um, well, by you replacing the propane for the world at that point. But they need to hear that you're on board with that rather than argue against them. Hold on. Rather than argue against them, saying, I'm not going to do this, I'm going to use propane, fuck you, okay? <laughs> then you become their enemy, and then nothing gets done, okay? I'm quoting my father here, who worked in city government in the 1960s during the Civil Rights Movement, and that influence stuck with me as an administrator, as an, someone who does it interpersonally, as a manager, all of this. It's not good enough to be right. And so, yeah, you navigate that. You're, you're, you're taking the high and mighty road. I don't want my women to die, okay? We're going to use propane. And it sounds like a very regressive stance. Rather than, I'm, I can't wait until you give me an alternative. So why don't you keep working on that? Here's my phone number. Keep working on it. And the minute you have an alternative, you give me a call and we'll replace the propane. And which if they heard that from you, there'd be no arguments. Well, I actually, they hear, that, they hear that from me all the time. Uh, do They hear that from me all the time. So two things is uh, the conversation stops when they hear about still having to put one more carbon in the atmosphere. It stops right there. And, <laughs> one molecule. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and then another thing is, and another thing is also, um, you know, then them having to address uh, the nuclear solution. Also, I'm like the world we want, nuclear could get us there too. So what's your point with nuclear? And then when you see them being like, Huh? We're just anti-nukes for the sake of being. Then you see. So my point yeah, is, they, uh, their arguments are not entirely rational. There, That's it right. makes no sense. So, and, and I'm gonna, uh -huh. I'm not gonna be led by irrational people on their desire to only God knows what. So, meanwhile, we know how to save African women today, and we also know how to have clean energy 
today. If they only stood out of the way, we could save the women of today, today, and we can get to cleaner energy in a few decades. So my point is, at some point, I refuse to be under the diktat of highly irrational people who at some point I'm wondering if it's even the climate that they care about at some point. If you stood in front of the UN and said, I don't want my women to die, um, you don't have an easy, inexpensive solution for me to save their lives. And, and until that happens, I'm going to use propane. And anything else is a death sentence for my women in Africa. Okay. And they'll say, well, if it's a death sentence for the whole world, then you say, if um, uh, it, it is not realistic, nor is it ever likely to happen until innovations work their way to Africa to help solve this problem. And you'll get a standing ovation in the UN. But if you say I'm using propane because that's, that's well, then then that, that with an attitude, no, I'm trying to make you effective here. No, and, and it's funny, and, and it's being effective isn't always being high and mighty, right? Neil, I love it, and we're on the same track, though. I think you just haven't seen you haven't seen me when I talk about this because it's exactly the place I come from. It's like this clean energy. Yes, we're all for it. That's I thought I told you this, but in the meantime. We need to cater to, to first things first. Let, let us avoid these deaths that we can easily avoid by using coal. It's uh, from your stand, from your, my fellow, my, my. I'm, su I'm suggesting you say we will use anything to replace it the moment it becomes affordable to us. So get to work on that. And here's my phone number. There you so go. Okay. Rather than dig your heels into the propane, you, you, you actually pass the baton to them. All right. And now it's a, it's a tennis serve. It's like now it's in their court. Oh, OK. She's ready to have what we do. She's ready. Well, let's redouble this effort and then I'll give her a call. And here's Mr. Fusion, home energy source or whatever. Can we, can we add nuclear to that? Can we add nuclear to when you're ready to adopt nuclear, call me, we'll use it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I'm not kidding. So, Neil, <laughs> this has been an amazing conversation. There's only one more question I have for you. And it's about... Do you, Neil, believe? Because I asked. I don't, I don't believe. That's not a belief thing. I don't. That's not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put you on the spot, Neil. Fine. I'm still gonna. I'm still gonna do it because that's what I ask a lot of my guests. It's important. Okay, go, go, go. It's our African. This is gonna be mostly for an African audience, right? Right. So, do you believe that Africans can become more prosperous in this century? Oh, but definitely. When, when I look <laughs> over the history of, you know, before. 1910 the united states was kind of a backwoods farmland country we had a couple of big cities but they were kind of smelly and dirty and they were not very sophisticated not like london or paris for example and uh and the country was built within a century to become a leader in the world in science and technology because there was values placed on research and engineering and math of the STEM field, okay? So, and that happened within a century. Uh, before then, Europe basically led the world, all right? They embraced science and technology early, all right? The Industrial Revolution hit them first, and that fueled their power over the rest of the world, okay? A lot of it was work towards health and security and, and wealth, but the rest was like hegemony. Okay, that's how they chose to use their power um, of influence and, and wealth. 
Uh, you go back a thousand years, the golden age of Islam out of Baghdad, with major advances in science and engineering, astronomy and medicine, two thirds of all and navigation, two thirds of all stars in the night sky that have names have Arabic names traceable yes. from that period. You mm -hmm. go back thousands of years before that, you have Egypt as one of the greatest cultures civilizations has ever seen. The, the pyramids were the tallest structures, stable structures, to exist in this world until the Eiffel Tower. Okay? So I'm, all I'm declaring here is no one country, no one region has eternal rights to leading the world. It's a combination of how enlightened is your leadership, how, how, um, what are the motivations for doing so? And, and they can easily happen within a century. Africa, with the resources that are built in just to the land and the people and the diversity, um, I don't see why Africa wouldn't lead the world for millennia to come. And so, yeah. And with the United States just looking from the sidelines, that's my, my read of history tells me nothing in principle will prevent that. Look what China did. It wasn't many decades ago before, uh, you know, the, the, the stereotype of the Chinese peasant working in the field, that was kind of true, okay? China decided we're going to redouble our interest in science and technology and engineering and math, and they sent their people abroad to get educated. Initially, they would stay. Then they came back. Now they educate their own people, okay? Uh, they don't have to learn their science and engineering in other countries. They do it in-house in the country. Sci China says we're going to put a, uh, a person in orbit, bada-bing. They put a person in orbit. We're going to build a space station, bada-bing. So we're going to put people on the moon. That spooked us. We haven't been on the moon in 50 years. And all of a sudden, hey, let's put people on the moon. It's kind of the right time. Well, why is it? Oh, China is doing it. All right. So we're seeing a shift in science and technology to China. And so I, I don't see why things can't shift to Africa. Wonderful. Well, thank Overdue, you so much. Even. Okay. You so much. <laughs> it's overdue. Thank you so much. Neil, is there anything that you wanted to bring up that we didn't get to bring up? Or yeah, just a, a simple thing. A lot of uh, again, a lot of what I shared with you um, are are derived from thinking that went into the Starry Messenger cosmic perspectives on civilization. Or, or what I shared with you in that book, and so uh, in there, it's fully footnoted, and there's precision in the communication. Even if I, especially when we were talking about Republicans and Democrats, uh, all it's numerically accurate in those. You know, how many states out of ten were red or voted blue? who went one way or another, which presidents had which budgets. It's all in there. So I invite those who never felt comfortable assigning someone else's political platform to their own views. The chapter in that book called Conflict and Resolution is all about uh, how to apply your own rational thinking to information so that you can decide you are your own individual. Yes. Which we yes. all are, ultimately. Ultimately, ultimately. Now, this this has been really fun, Neil. I, I knew I could count on you to, uh, you know, just take things back from a more fair way and view of looking at things. Um, it doesn't matter where people land in terms of, you know, in the end, what uh, 
they perceive to be it's i think at the end of the day there's just a process that needs to be had that needs to be had so excellent and thank you for for noting that and and like i said if i what we have seen in the last 300 years is that science and technology brings nations out of poverty so it's a matter of bringing more science and more technology uh, to africa even though it's hugely agricultural of course even agriculture benefits from applications of science and technology in ways that would not have otherwise been possible. So, yeah. Very I true. Look forward to that. Well, we're going to have to have you come to Africa. I, 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 you are not without knowing, but you have a huge fan base over there. So hopefully, you know, these, all of these young people, they need to see you for real at some point. So yeah, I hope half can... the country's young. I'm all in. Okay. Half the continent, half the continent. Yeah. So no, I'll, uh, it will be my greatest pleasure to work something out. So, so let's, let, let's make it a goal. And all right, keep will me on your it. list. Be delighted. We'll do. Okay. We'll do. Well, Neil, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. All right.